Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and this is episode 222. Uh, is that a numeric palindrome? I think so. Before we start, I'd like to thank Patrick O'Brien for liking The Week in Doubt Facebook page. Uh, all right, so let's do some news stories. And to be honest, I was waffling over whether or not I want to do this first story, but I think I will because it will give me a chance to address something that's been on my mind. The story in question is that of the 27-year-old man who recently shot up the Quebec Islamic Cultural Center, killing six and injuring an additional 19. According to Patheos, he described himself as a quote-unquote Christian crusader, and a couple of days before the attack, he posted the message, Hallelujah! Exclamation mark, uh, accompanied by an image of a medieval crusader knight with sword raised to his Facebook page. Apparently, he was also a Trump supporter, and I'm not sure exactly why, but I have this pet peeve about foreign Trump supporters. Uh, I felt that way leading up to the election as well. I think I expressed my disdain on the show for the way that people like Stefan Molyneux, a Canadian, and Sargon of Akkad, an Englishman, fan the flames for Trump. And I believe in freedom of speech, so I'm not saying that they don't have the right to endorse a foreign candidate. I just found it somewhat unseemly. There was something about these people who didn't have as much skin in the game as us promoting this controversial candidate that we would have to end up living with. And last week I mentioned in passing how there's this divide in the online atheist community. The so-called SJW, short for Social Justice Warrior, a pejorative bandied about by some on the one side and the anti-PC crowd on the other. And leading up to the election, and I still see it in effect now, it seemed like the anti-SJW crowd kind of gleefully latched on to Trump because they knew it would drive their opponents on the other side of the divide crazy. And I thought given the stakes, that was kind of a dangerous game to be playing. But I almost forgot why it was that I was talking about Trump. Uh, oh yeah, the Quebec shooter was supposedly a Trump supporter. So my guess is this guy probably had issues to begin with, uh, but I would actually be surprised if he hadn't been influenced by online pro-Trump, anti-Muslim rhetoric. And as an atheist, this always takes me to this uncomfortable place where I'm someone who is very anti-literal belief, anti-dogma, anti-religious indoctrination. And I've done many stories criticizing Islam, um, criticizing especially barbaric verses from the Quran, denouncing the treatment of women in certain parts of the Muslim world, etc., but it seems to me that there are many out there who take their disdain for the negative aspects of Islam and apply it to Muslim people in general. And a lot of hate gets whipped up and people start viewing Muslims in general as the other. And so as an atheist, this puts me in this bizarre and awkward position of being someone who's, if not against religion entirely, is at least against religious indoctrination, etc., feeling almost like if not actually defending religion, I have to at least defend people's right to practice a religion or belong to a religious group without being persecuted or demonized, which I'd rather not have to do. I'd rather focus on shining a light on the man-made nature of religion, religious hypocrisy, etc., etc. And maybe in part that's why I've been kind of staring clear of Islam recently. 
A while back, it seemed like there was a new terror attack, if not every week, then every other week, and I was covering many of them. But after a while, I got sick of talking about beheadings and bombings. In a way, I almost felt like I was beating a dead horse. How many times can I say killing other human beings in the name of religion is backwards and grotesque? And sometimes I'll feel weird because one of these attacks will take place and I'll be tempted to post a link about it to the Weekend Out Facebook page, but then I'll decide against it because I I don't know what's to gain. Everyone's already painfully aware of the global scourge that is radical Islam, and all I'll probably accomplish by posting about yet another terror attack is that will probably depress my Facebook followers. But don't get me wrong, if a story regarding radical Islam strikes me as particularly poignant, I'll still discuss it on the show. For instance, the Charlie Hebdo massacre really got to me. Uh, As someone who is an artist of sorts and who values freedom of expression, I was deeply offended by not just the brutal attack itself, but also by the apologists who wagged their fingers at the dead artist for daring to lampoon Islam. And hopefully I don't sound like I'm contradicting myself. I was just talking about how I don't think people should be persecuted or demonized just for being Muslim, and then I went on to express my sympathy for the uh, Charlie or Charlie Hebdo artists who repeatedly satirized Islam. And I actually strongly stand by both sentiments, and I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. On the one hand, I believe very strongly in freedom of speech and freedom of expression, and I think that we should be free to shine a light on the man-made nature of religion, point out the absurdity and hypocrisy of religion, and yes, even even satirize religion. And yet, at the same time, I think we should also recognize the dignity and humanity of others, even if they happen to belong to or practice a religion that we view unfavorably. And I guess this brings us to a related topic that I've been dodging, Trump's immigration or travel ban. In the past, I've covered some of the European stories involving immigration, like the New Year's Eve attacks in Cologne, Germany, and elsewhere. And I've expressed my belief that sovereign nations should have the right to decide who they do or don't want to let into their country. And that if you're having trouble successfully assimilating large amounts of immigrants to the point where you're seeing a rise in crime and your citizens feel unsafe, uh, you may want to rethink how many people you want to let in and at what rate. And even though that's what I think, I always feel kind of bad saying things like that because I know it can come across as hard-hearted, and I don't like the idea of people in need being turned away. But I think Europe and America are two different animals. I think here we tend to do a better job of successfully assimilating our immigrants in a sense, or at least our Muslim immigrants. I don't know if it has to do with the amount or rate at which we let people in or what, but we don't really see the same kind of insular ghetto-like, for lack of a better word. I think ghetto is supposedly no longer PC. But we don't see these same insular, impoverished uh, Muslim immigrant communities with high crime rates and radicalization taking place in mosques, etc. And in the case of the American ban, you have to ask yourself, how much will it help? A lot of terror attacks we've experienced here have been committed not by immigrants, or not at least by first-generation immigrants, but rather by the children of immigrants, uh, second-gen, etc., Uh, like the first Fort Hood shooting and the Orlando nightclub massacre. On the other hand, of course, the 9-11 attacks were perpetrated by foreigners, so I guess technically maybe a ban could theoretically prevent an attack. Will it? I have no idea. 
And of course, talking about such a band in theory and seeing it actually enacted are two different things. I think if you're a decent person, it's hard to see people being detained, children separated from parents, even if only temporarily, and not feel your heart sink. Uh, But here's a brief summary of Trump's ban, and, and this is from the New York Times. Trump's immigration ban, who is barred and who is not. A wide array of people are affected by President Trump's order, which bars for 90 days people from seven predominantly Muslim countries from entering the United States, Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. It also bans all refugees for 120 days and Syrian refugees indefinitely. More than 100,000 visas for foreigners inside and outside the United States have also been revoked, at least temporarily. A government lawyer said in federal court on Friday. After a review of the screening process, the order says officials may give recommendations for indefinite bans. Other countries may be added to the list as well. So there it is. I have to say it still sounds very weird saying President Trump. Uh, But I don't know. Generally speaking, and maybe this should go without saying, but I think immigration policy should be based on common sense and yet tempered with a spirit of humanity. You don't want to undermine your society by letting too many people in at once or not being diligent enough in your screening process. But at the same time, you want to try to do right by people in need. A tough balancing act. The indefinite ban on Syrian refugees. I wonder if that applies to even women and children. I don't know. But these are not easy issues. You can probably see why generally I like to avoid them. It's a lot easier debunking faith claims or pointing out religious contradictions than it is trying to navigate these complicated political topics. Maybe I'll now switch over to something a little more lighthearted. Uh, Now, this is really different. I almost feel like it's in bad taste talking about it in the wake of those weighty issues we just wrestled with. But hey, what the hell? So I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the show before or not, but I'm a fan of Creationist Cat. I always feel a little self-conscious divulging which YouTube atheists I like because the YouTube atheist community is so divided and you never know if you're going to catch uh, flack for liking the quote-unquote wrong person. Well, I guess, yeah, you could consider Creationist Cat an atheist YouTube channel, but the eponymous character is supposed to be a talking house cat who was zapped by God through the internet. Uh, The videos basically feature footage of an actual cat with the owner providing the character's voice. It's actually one of my favorite YouTube channels. The comedy style is really funny and irreverent. But today, or was it last night? My sleep schedule's been so off lately, I'm not even sure. But anyway, I finally encountered a creationist cat video that I couldn't finish watching. Not because it wasn't entertaining, it was funny as usual, but CC whispers through the whole thing, and after a while, it becomes absolutely maddening and proved to be more than I could endure. Why was CC whispering? Well, that's the strange part. He was making fun of this phenomenon that I had never heard of before called uh, ASMR, <laughs> or A-S-M-R. Um... Sounds like someone trying to say asthma. Anyway, it's short for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. The term was supposedly coined by a cybersecurity expert back in 2010, although it has nothing to do with cybersecurity as far as I know. Um, I think it was just a passion of the uh, individual, and she had devoted a Facebook page to it. And it's funny, it refers to something I've experienced myself, but I didn't know there was a name for it. I just thought it was my own weird idiosyncratic response. 
but it refers to that feeling you get when someone speaks with a certain soft tone and it gives you kind of a pleasant feeling accompanied by hair standing on end and a kind of staticky sensation. I can remember experiencing that here and there over the years, usually when, say, a teacher or someone would try to talk to you in hushed tones. But I guess there's a name for it. Very strange. And now there's this whole YouTube genre where girls or women speak softly into a microphone with the intent of eliciting that response. There was one in the suggested video column, so I clicked on it with the expectation that I would find it absolutely absurd. So there's this attractive young Scottish girl, maybe in her 20s or so, I'm not sure. And she's doing that hushed, whispery voice. And at the same time, she's rubbing lotion on her hands and pretending to uh, stroke your face through the camera like you're at a spa or something. And all of a sudden, I noticed, damn, I'm actually experiencing that feeling. I didn't know quite what to think, but suffice to say, I saved it into a private playlist entitled quote-unquote research. TMI? Eh, what are you gonna do? But as Gracious Cat pointed out, the hits on some of the videos are absolutely amazing. Some of those uh, videos have literally over a million views. I wonder if there's a market for an atheist uh, asthma or ASMR channel. Maybe uh, something like this. When you die, your brain shuts down, your body rots in a grave, and that's it. Probably not too relaxing, I know. I should probably just stick with the uh, current format. Uh, but anyway, uh, on that creepy note, uh, maybe I'll do one more thing. Uh... I don't want to wait like a, a, another half a year before I read from Love Life and the, is it the Karmic? I almost said Cosmic. The Karmic Enchilada, that book that's basically an anthology of Chris Stevens' uh, philosophical rants from the TV show Northern Exposure. And I found two really short ones, and they both have to do with bears. Not like big hairy gay guys, but, you know, like ursine or ursine creatures, uh, actual bears. And uh, here's the first one, and it's entitled Death. You know, at the same time, a Cro-Magnon, yes, Cro-Magnon, uh, when I was growing up, they used to say Cro-Magnon, but now they say Cro-Magnon. I think it's uh, French pronunciation. <laughs> you know, at the same time, our Cro-Magnon ancestors started burying themselves. They started doing that same thing with bears. What does that mean? What's going on here? The big bang of the human psyche, the recognition of death. We saw death and did what no other animal had done before. We dealt with it. We hit on the idea that death was not the end, that it was just a passage. That's why we gave Mr. Bear a proper funeral, so that he wouldn't come back pissed. We were trying to make sense of the unknowable, what Joe Campbell calls the awakening of awe. And here's a, another one uh, entitled Spring. Ah, spring, and this young man's fancy naturally turns to thoughts of death. Not death like that's all, folks, but death in a cyclical sense. Sunrise, sunset, high tide, low tide, that kind of thing. Bears, which we've all had on our minds lately, really say it all. Their death-like sleep in the sepulcher of the cave, followed by their awakening, rebirth, death, and resurrection. Something bears and deities have in common. Point of fact, in many cultures, bears themselves were considered gods. 60,000 years ago, way before Mithra, before the burning bush, Christ, Buddha, what did our Neolithic brothers lie prostrate before? Bears. All right, so uh, pretty cool. There it is. 
And um, with that, uh, I guess I'll call this episode a wrap. You guys know the drill. Uh, Please uh, follow the show on Twitter, like the Facebook page, check out the YouTube channel, subscribe through iTunes. Um, If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page. Um, You can also check out the archives via Podbean. Just go to Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and look for The Week in Doubt. Or you can uh, use patreon.com slash the week in doubt and support the show um, for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, children of the pale forest, uh, until next week. (laughs) 